there's anticipation, and then there's living. Oh, oh yeah! Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Progressive Rugby League. Yes, welcome to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. John O'Duncan here with Big Al. And yes, it is our last episode before our mid-season break slash jaunt. And yes, the anticipation part of the holiday is basically over and we're about to live it. How are you feeling, Big Al? I'm excited. I can't wait. You know what? I'm really, really, really excited for this holiday. And this holiday is going to be so rugby league heavy. Mm. It's, it's almost like there's going to be too much of a good thing. Oh, okay. You know what? Which I don't think is actually going to happen. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to miss the rugby league from home a little bit as well. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean... I'm putting it like this. It's kind of a rugby league study tour. I'll be transparent. I'm going over to Europe for a wedding and then I've had some intense negotiations with my girlfriend to fit in a week or so's worth of rugby league content and it was a win-win. Well, it was a win (laughs) for rugby league. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what Uh, matters in the end. And so there's going to be a week full of rugby league action. We're going to be in the south of France and London. And Big Al, you'll be joining me in a couple of weeks when we get to that part of the journey. So exciting times, but we have a show to do. So let's get on with it. And why don't we start off with our Reflections. Reflections. So I'll take it straight from the top. Now I'm going to combine what have become two informal segments to the Progressive Rugby League podcast Mm -hmm. in my reflection. One is what I've dubbed the deep shame file. Because it seems every episode I'm coming up with a reason as to why I should feel shameful about something that I didn't know about rugby league. Yeah. And uh, this Tiger's life. Because often I just sit there and talk about uh, how I feel about the current situation of the Tiger. It's everyone's favorite segment. Yeah, I'm sure it is. (laughs) So I'm going to combine those two things to give you my grand reflection. Great. Which is thus. So I went to Bankwest Stadium on a kind of cold Thursday night to see the Tigers play South Sydney. And it was a relatively uneventful game. Dua? Yeah, well, it wasn't even that. Like, it was just nothing actually happened <laughs> so um, outside of a nasty eye gouge <clears throat> yes but, that happened so it was also uh, you know it was it was date night right so I figured well what happens when uh, Big Al wants to wants to impress the ladies <laughs> um, so sitting down in the crowd with my lady friend and she, she was a very accommodating fan she's mm-hmm. you know you don't really get to spend much time with me without just absorbing rugby league so sure. she knows all about it now she's really really uh, clued up on what's going on in the yeah. game it only took you a few months to expose that side of you right well I, I tried to hide it for as long as possible but <laughs> once we're in season yeah. it's pretty tough it's yeah. pretty tough to avoid anyway so we're sitting there and you know again pretty boring for the first half whatever and then half time comes around and I was like oh I'll, I'll go to the bar and you know get some drinks get some food or whatever and she said Oh, cool. How long is half time? And I was like, oh, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. She's like, well, is it 10 or is it 15? And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's oh, the answer? I've got no idea. I don't, I don't know how long half time is. And then she said, how can someone like you not know how long half time is? Shameful. So I'd like to ask you, Jono, how long is half time? Is there an, <laughs> official, is there an official time for half time? I can't believe you don't know how long half time is. I'm not even going to dignify that <laughs> with an answer. This is, I can say it's at least long enough for two commercial breaks <laughs> and a segment in between. That's about all I know. So during my that, a commercial break is going to be about three and a half minutes, maybe four. That's eight minutes plus a segment of another five minutes. Mm. So that's what, 13 minutes. I'm going to say 15 minutes altogether. A bit of locker room banter uh, as well mm, by the commentators. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, look, I don't really know either. Ah, got him! Yes. <laughs> I've got a feeling it is uh, between 15 and 17 minutes. I'm going to go Between? Oh, surely there has to be a mandated time. Well, I remember reading something a while ago that there was an additional couple of minutes 
at halftime for State of Origin to get in those sweet, juicy advertising dollars. So from memory, it went from 15 to 17 or 17 to 20 or something like that. 20 so, minutes is a bit of a long break. Yeah, but it's Origin. And they got to oh, specifically for Origin. Yeah, right, so that was yeah. the story at that time. I, I saw they were Channel 9 had requested yeah. an extra few minutes and it was granted. Okay, um, only for Origin. So we're talking regular club football. Yeah, I'm going to go 17. 17. And that's standard across the board. You don't think maybe it's, as the home team, you get to dictate how long half time is. And it has to be minimum 14, maximum 17. No, I wouldn't think no? so. I mean, Because that, that's the way it works with like the depth of the in goals, doesn't it? It has to be well, minimum. There's a minimum and maximum. Uh, not anymore. I'm pretty sure they're standardized these days. But right. back in the day, you used to have the short in goals, North yeah. Sydney, or the long in goals out of the football stadium. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think you can maybe play around with the half-time interval. Home teams will keep the visiting team waiting on the field. Have noticed that? So the that's, vi- that's for kickoff. Oh, and half-time as well. And I second half gonna, as well. I'm going to have a look. Too busy talking to your significant other that's on date right. nights and things like that. Impressing. <laughs> Nothing impresses more than Thursday night at Bankwest Stadium. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, another fantastic victory from the Tigers as well. What about... Oh, don't, fantastic victory. That game was awful. Yeah, it was the, a bad, cares. bad game. The exciting thing is that I love about this Tigers victory and, and a victory earlier in the year is the Michael Cheekham factor. This is a plain Jane player, to be fair. Yeah. Like he, he's a you know solid bench player, sort of utility, not really spectacular anyway. But all of a sudden, he's won two games <laughs> from the most spectacular individual runs you yeah. could ever see. Yeah, I think that's a nice story. It's not like the the razzle-dazzle Roger Tuovasa-Shek running past 25 people. It's Michael Cheekham. <laughs> yeah, even the name doesn't really... In, in, like it, It's It's just a... It's plain oh, Michael Jane. Michael Cheekham. Yeah, yeah, cool, sure. Just, just ran Is he a good player? Well, no, not it's really. It's all right. <laughs> he just wins games, though. <laughs> he just though. won a couple of games single-handedly. Yeah, quite phenomenal. Hey, look, while we're on the South's Tigers game the other day, I was watching that on television. You were there. But there was one moment where there could have been a professional foul. There could have been a sin bidding. I remember the commentators talking about it. And I don't think there was a sin bidding in the end. But the commentators were oh, professional foul, professional foul. And I was thinking about the etymology of the term professional foul. It's a weird one, isn't it? It's like there are heaps of fouls in the game and in sport. But this one's professional foul. Like I don't get it. Like this is such like, a like an extra special foul. Yeah, right? this like is such high. a big foul. You had to be professional <laughs> yeah. to pull this one off. Is that where it comes from? Because it's actually professional foul is used across different sports, and it's also used in rugby league. I think what it refers to is d- deliberate and blatant foul. Mm. I guess I don't know why they labelled that you have to professional. Practice it. Like you have <laughs> yeah. to you have to know exactly what you were trying to do. Right. Or, mm, so in the, am- in the amateur game, do they just call it amateur foul? How does it work? Because yeah, I don't know part time um, foul. There you go. Just a small little reflection there. Bonus. Look, my reflection this week, it's about clarity. Mm. You know, clarity, it's that plastic bag in the wind. You think you've got it, and then a gust imposes itself, and it's out of your grasp. I, like probably many listeners to this show, I'm in a rugby league tipping competition. And lucky me, I'm at the top. And look, this is not not just a self-indulgence or it's a it's a big part of it but it's not just about that this is a podcast Mm. it's all pure self-indulgence yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) look i got there after well a heroic weekend of tipping a few weeks back where i got seven or eight out of eight while most others were getting three or four max suckers and it's weird because most weeks i'm all at sea i'm umming and ahhing i'm oscillating I'm often pulling that extremely dangerous maneuver of changing tips just before kickoff. I'm that guy. But this particular week, I had absolute clarity, while others, they were clearly flailing. Every decision I made came easy. It was straightforward, simple, no second guessing. And I thought to myself after that weekend, this is beautiful. 
I should be able to pull well clear and finish the season with the bickies. Yeah. No stress. Right on top. But of course, in the ensuing weeks, I was back at mere mortal status, sort of missing obvious tips and yo-yoing on the ladder with all the other suckers, my fellow suckers, I should say. Now, I've been thinking back to that week of clarity, that week where it all came so easy, wondering what the ingredients were that got me to that point and how I can get back there. Was it just a combination of overconfidence and luck? Or did I find myself in the ultimate mental sweet spot? It's on my mind also this week as I prepare to travel to the other side of the world. Because when I've traveled in the past, I've also tipped with great precision. Mm. The distance that comes with travel tends to give you a different perspective on things, which I suppose leads to clarity. So maybe distance has something to do with it. That doesn't account for the other week when I tipped so naturally. I was here, I was present, but I was in the zone. You know when athletes talk about being in that rarefied zone, they talk about how decisions come so naturally, that kick, that pass, that step, it's so clear for them. They're not overanalyzing, they're not feeling the pressure, they're just alert and making decisions when they need to be made. So maybe distance does have something to do with it, but more than a physical distance, it's a mental distance. Keeping at arm's length from the noise, the stats, the urge to overanalyze. It's a very hard thing to do for long periods of time because when things are going well, there's a natural inclination to bask in the glory. And with that comes analysis and proximity. Mm -hmm. And extreme proximity probably impedes clarity. As we enter the latter half of the tipping season, I'm hoping the physical distance that traveling will afford me leads to a mental distance that breeds the clarity I need to pull this baby off. Clarity. Big Al, have you had similar experiences? Do you have any insight into clarity? Well, I, should I say I suffer from clarity? I'm not <laughs> quite sure, but I too am a rugby league tipster, as most mm. of us are, and officers are across the country. Yeah. I find incredible clarity every single time I put my tips in. It's, Fantastic. All I do is I look at the draw, and it's, it's instinct. You look at the two teams, and you just go bam, 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 roll through it, then don't look at it again. That's important. You can go back and look, and you can go back and sort of look at the, the neatness of your tips, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't invest any further analysis into trying to pick the winner. And how do you generally go in tipping competitions? Poorly. Okay. Quite poorly. <laughs> but I find that it's not because, um, like, it, sometimes when you're looking at two teams, Naturally, you think one's going to win, right? Do you ever look at a head-to-head matchup and think, oh, I really, really don't know? You always think. No, I, I often think I really don't know. I'm oh, really? like umming, I'm ahhing. Like mm. I said, I was oscillating. Mm. I'm pulling that maneuver. <laughs> I, I have great clarity. It's never successful for me, though. That's the problem. Okay, that's quite interesting. I, think- <laughs> I must say, like, I've witnessed you in a tipping competition before, and you are, I would describe you as the hero tipper. The hero tipster. You go for the hero tips, right? You go for the big upsets and you might get one every five. But when you get that one, you are like, I told you. How could you not tip them? How could you not think that Gold Coast would beat the Melbourne Storm? I I have been known to do the old reverse perfect every now and then. So that's the big fat zero. (laughs) Which takes just as much like talent as it does to pick eight winners. Well, you're a hero tipster and I respect that. I don't. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it's not going to win you many. It'll win you plaudits. Because every now and then you'll pick a, a miracle, a miraculous tip, yeah. but it won't win you any Well, cash. look, if, if you're really in a, t- a tipping competition to win, all mm. you got to do is, this is a story my dad told me in the 90s. Okay. Roy Masters, mm-hmm. the, as we stare at the bust of him on the, over the fireplace that is in the, the palace of PRL. Hi, Roy. He once won the Sydney Morning Herald sports newsroom NRL tipping competition mm. with a pure formula, which was always pick the home team. Except never pick South, always pick Broncos. <laughs> Did that for the whole year and won. 
So if you really want to win, like seriously want to win, I guess now the the, the league is different in terms of um, the level playing field. Yes. But always pick the home team. And this year I'd say never pick the Bulldogs and always pick... And I'll just leave it at that. Always pick the home team, never pick the Bulldogs. And have you done that? No, because I'm a hero tipper. Come on, (laughs) didn't we just speak about this? (laughs) You want the plaudits. I'm not in it for the glory. Well, I am, but only very little specific moments of glory. (laughs) Okay, good reflections. Thanks very much. All right, let's get to the mailbag and boom. People have questions. People have thoughts. They write into us. We try to answer them. PRL Mailbag. It's the PRL Mailbag. Carsten, our Iron Curtain Cowboy, he got in touch this week, pointing us to a very interesting conversation on the BBC Rugby League podcast, as always, very ably hosted by Dave Woods. And the conversation was between Dave, Shane Richardson, head honcho at South Sydney, and Mark Evans, former Melbourne Storm Supremo. And they talked many things, including expansion, expansion of the game in the UK, and the merits of promotion and relegation. And it was an interesting but sobering listen for fans of A, expansion, and B, promotion and relegation, (laughs) which we are. Now, on expansion, they reminded us that it takes very deep pockets to make it work, which is true, of course. And they basically poo-pooed the idea, even going as far as to say that Super League should only have eight or ten clubs and that London shouldn't be one of them. No market for league there, they said. On promotion relegation, well, it kind of came back to the something I was saying last week, the difference between sport and business. Now, sport thrives on uncertainty, unpredictability, and that's what promotion relegation brings. Unmatched drama while business thrives on certainty. And they made the point, who's going to invest in a business or club that could be relegated and playing off-Broadway in a couple of years? Business needs certainty, and sport is business. These were pretty depressing messages for someone who wants to see the sport expand and wants to keep the sport part of sport, the unpredictability and uncertainty, at the forefront. And I suppose you have to hear what these guys are saying. I mean, they're very experienced. You have to take into account. But in the end, I consoled myself of these facts that I think were overlooked in this conversation. Firstly, markets are not static. Everyone seems to think that there's, you know, maybe three, four, five million people in the UK who like rugby league. And I suppose that might be right. But they seem to think that this number cannot go up. Everyone seems to think that it can go down, easily go down, but not up. But if it can go down, it can sure as hell go up. Now, not to say that it's easy, but it's not impossible. Also, they didn't seem to be overly bothered of the real growth areas of the game that could be the catalyst to not only increase the numbers of people interested in the game in the UK, but to help open up those new markets that may seem so impenetrable. And that's, of course, Women's Rugby League and International Rugby League foster these parts of the game and there's no reason why the game can't grow. And need we remind ourselves that the game itself is pretty bloody good. Damn right it is. <laughs> now, <laughs> did you come across this podcast? Yeah, yes? I definitely listened to it uh, on your recommendation, of course. Oh, okay. Bit of homework to do, but I've got plenty of time for my life is podcast, so I've always got room for another one, especially when it's about rugby league. 
What did you think? What did I think? I mean, it was quite sobering. It did make me, like, I'm the mm. naive optimist, so I'm floating around thinking everything's fantastic and the Toronto Wolfpack's the greatest idea ever. Mm. Um, I think there were some pretty interesting points that, that the guys made uh, upon expansion. So the Wolfpack, if I remember correctly, they said was a fool's errand to introduce an expansion, a new team into a brand new market mm. without other teams to play mm-hmm. against. That way you'll create... You'll rivalry. generate more... You'll create rivalry. You'll also generate more content in a market that will have broadcasters pay for it yeah so they said the biggest issue or the biggest miss that the super league has made is they've got expansion like in in france and in canada without getting any extra value for it so sure. they're not getting any more broadcast money for having a team in perpignan they're not having any and you're not getting any more broadcast money from having a team in toronto and the toronto wolfpack are not necessarily a particularly attractive uh, production deal for anyone to make because there's only the contents every every other week. Whereas mm. if you had two, three, four teams, you'd have a lot of content for a broadcaster to invest in, which was I thought was actually really, really good points, but I'm going to choose to ignore them. The Wolfpack are awesome. <laughs> uh, well, and what else was there? Promotion relegation. Oh, promotion, yeah, sorry. Teams. Promotion relegation. They One really great point that I took out of it was they said that every, everyone's got promotion and relegation there because they look at the soccer slash football model and mm. just see how immensely successful soccer is across the world yeah. and all these leagues with promotion relegation so they think that's the way that's the way to do it so that's the way it's got to be done mm-hmm. but their point was football doesn't succeed because of promotion and relegation it succeeds in spite of it yeah. because, because of all those points that you raised before how on earth can you sustain a business when there's no there's no clarity there's no you don't know if you're going to be competing in the top flight in a year or two years and then it also means everyone's just focused on real short term thinking like you can't have a bad or a rebuilding year because then you risk falling out the bottom mm. and then in the case of the of like the witness vikings have decided to just yeah. go to a part-time team because they can't even afford to, to pay a full-time squad and just focus on staying down there i suppose it's a really again like i love the idea of promotion relegation especially in australia because i like the idea of you know dubbo and Wagga yeah. <laughs> and broom having teams which of course is just pie in the sky stuff never going to happen i think that even even the reduction of teams it's just the reduction of teams in the Super League. It's the same conversation that we have here uh, in Australia about the reduction of teams in Sydney. Mm. Like there's just a, a, a concentration in one spot. Mind you, it's a spot where there's a lot of people and where the, mm. the core market is. But there's other places that could be fostered. And also, everyone's worried about if you move your professional team from somewhere, you're going to lose those fans. Those fans can be serviced with a second division team mm. quite successfully. So I think they used York as, a, as, an, as an example mm. of that. You could probably also put Newtown Jets in that sort of realm as well. People are just happy to have Newtown and follow yeah, them. I, I think uh, I think this is something Steve Mascord might have brought up a, a long time ago. Mm. It, it would be a really good idea to sort of embrace those legacy brands, the Steelers and the Tigers and the Jets and whatever, as the sort of local embraceable teams mm. and only have a couple of like super professional teams in Sydney because um, yeah. you can try and capture those fans. Like... If the Tigers moved to Perth, I mm. would st- I would still support them. Mm. But if I had the Bowman Tigers still to, to to fall back on, I would get really into yeah, them. Yeah, okay. Mind you, I do under- I do also understand I'm probably the exception. Yeah, I'm not your every everyday league fan. I do understand that. Yeah, look, I well quickly on the idea of rationalising Sydney clubs, I, I'm against that. I understand the logic, the business sense to that, but I don't think it actually works out in reality. I don't think people are gonna are gonna necessarily keep following rugby league if their team is just moved or cut out of the competition because that's that's quite a traumatic experience and it would be a real betrayal 
to hundreds of thousands or millions of fans potentially. So I don't think you'd get, uh, you wouldn't get most of them back, in my opinion. Not, do, not in the short term, anyway. Do you think that perhaps if it was done, you know, if they were just cut a la Souths, mm. right? That's You just alienate people and lose them. Fair enough. Or if they were moved without consultation, just told you're going over there. But if the club came out and said, we've done all our due diligence, we've done the, we've run all the financial models and everything. Mm. We think that in this market, in Sydney, we've got five good years and the rest after that really, really, we're, we're really not sure. Yeah. But we can see in this market, let's just say it's Adelaide or Perth, mm. we actually think based on XYZ, we can sustain a long-term football team and still, yeah. you're all still our fans, we're there for you, but for the if, you, if we all want this club to survive, mm-hmm. we're going to have to move here. If it was done that way, yeah. you'd still lose people, but I don't think you'd lose anywhere near as many and you wouldn't have and you'd have, probably make up for blood, yeah. you'd, you'd make up for it with that new market because I think we're only, we're only running through the scenario where a team gets cut yeah right and I reckon uh, it'd be interesting if a team actually said to its mm. fan base like again using the Tigers as an example if they said guys we think that our financial future is in Perth mm. and, you know, we'll still retain we'll be the West Tigers the, the far far West Tigers <laughs> um, and for XYZ this is why we think it's best in everybody's interest if we go there well if anyone knows how to use West as a broad concept it's the West Tigers there we go so. <laughs> everywhere from Campbelltown all the way to the, to the West Coast can be, <laughs> can right. be ours exactly so. <laughs> right look on promotion relegation I don't want to give up on it just yet I still think Yes, I agree. Maybe the idea of three or four levels of promotion relegation might be too much. But I still would love to see a top tier and a second tier battling it out uh, for promotion relegation throughout the year. Because if you have enough strength and you can grow the game to an extent that that second tier is still attractive, and like the championship is still very attractive, you've got teams like Toulouse and Toronto, I still think there is something in that. It's the, it's the sport. It's the excitement. It's the unpredictability. It's the drama. I don't like the idea of giving up on that just because it doesn't make business sense. And I know maybe I'm a bit lost and I, I don't get it, but it just uh, it kind of ruins it for me if we're just going to make all our decisions based on money. Uh, but then again, if you don't, then your sport shrivels and... It's, it's a tough one. There's, there's no easy answer. What can we say? I, I personally, I was very, very pro promotion relegation until I listen to that podcast and now I'm I sort of think maybe it's an, it's a wonderful feeling mm. but it's a bad idea I think is where I'm at I'm not giving up on it I'm <laughs> going to go on this rugby league study tour and I'm going to think of ways that you can make promotion relegation work on the other side of things is like rugby league in the UK has permanently been in crisis for 123 years people think it's about to fall over any minute now and promotion relegation is killing it and this and that but it's still it is still going by the way and it's still going pretty well the super league competition is going very well the championship competition is going very well so i think there is just an embedded sense of negativity sometimes especially around the uk game that yes we have maybe five million people in the uk who like or love rugby league but everyone seems to think that the only way that number can go is down and no one thinks that number can go up. And I just yeah. think, you know, why can't you grow a market? Why can't, if there's no market there, why can't there be a market there in 10 or 20 years? Like I said, there are growth areas of rugby league that includes women's rugby league and international rugby league. If you can concentrate on them, that will attract more people because the club competition, while it is the lifeblood, it has a very loyal but limited uh, fan base you know it's probably it's like that 80 percent of people love the nrl super league competition but there are 
casual fans out there who will tune in for State of Origin and internationals and their interests will be piqued for things like Women's Rugby League. You can get more people by fostering those those elements of the game. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So that's a that's a pro-expansionist view, which yes. I agree with. I am pro-expansion. Mm. I think it, it's expand or die. I've read who, my, who moved my cheese, all right? I know <laughs> things, change is inevitable. Yeah. That's the one that just... Everything, nothing stays the same forever. So you either anticipate the change and move with it, or you don't have any more cheese. I do like cheese. I love cheese. We're going to France. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Now, look, speaking of France, also this week, Laurent Garnier, our French via Brisbane correspondent, got in touch with a bit of detail about those 10 red cards from that French Elite 2 Grand Final Mm. last weekend. He said, yes, uh, 10 red cards, seven bench players from both teams who jumped on the field during the brawl, they got sent off, and two from the initial incident, and one later in the second half. They're very sad. Yes, thank you, Laurent. And look, while on Laurent, I've been stopped in the streets of Sydney, well, a number of times, asking, is this Laurent Garnier guy real? I mean, surely you've just made him up. I mean, Laurent Garnier? Garnier? <laughs> Come on, you can't fool us. And I say, he's real. He's real. He's a French guy, former first grade elite one player, lives in Brisbane, does some media work for French sports TV. And they say, get out of here. (laughs) And I just don't know what to say, how to prove that we just haven't made this guy up. So I don't know what to do, but look, how about this? Laurent, are you real? Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me pinch myself. Oi, yes, I'm real. I'm real. Yes. See, I told you it was real. <laughs> and, actually, and actually, we've got a bit of a chat with Lodon later in the show, so stay tuned for that. He talks us through his career, where he's at at the moment coaching, and what he's doing for the Melbourne Storm for French Rugby League. Excellent. So it's very interesting, so stay tuned for that. Okay, that's a mailbag, and you can get in touch with us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Progressive RL at Outlook. Can, can I just, just note on the Instagram account, mm. um, I've recently changed phones and I've been locked out of our Instagram account. I cannot remember the password. So if you send a message at any time between now and the last episode, I'm yeah. really sorry. I will get to it eventually. Yeah. I just need to work out how to get into this thing. <laughs> our social media manager is just looking at us from outside the studio, yeah. just shaking his or her head. Okay, French Canadian Rugby League update goes something like this. Slug began and me, we like what we see when it comes to French Canadian rugby thirteens. All right, so uh, international update. We were talking about the Dragons earlier in, in Catalan and, and Perpignan, mm. and how they they've had a wacky season. <laughs> Tell me about the wacky it. Wacky season continues uh, with a loss to the bottom dwelling Leeds. That's right, and they were bottom dwelling, and this is the the fourth loss in a row from Catalan, the second in a row to a team who was coming last. So they got thrashed a, f- a few weeks ago now by Hull, and they got 50 run up on yeah. them. And they've lost two weeks in a row, 30-12 to 12 to London, and now 31-12 to Leeds, the, the formerly hapless Leeds. Yeah. So I'm looking for positives here. And the only one I can actually think of is how generous the Catalan are being <laughs> to help bottom-place teams off the bottom of well, the ladder. Generosity is misplaced because <laughs> it's it's misdirected. That's they right. had the opportunity to really help our second uh, Super League baby in the, in the London Broncos by right. not allowing Leeds to get any more points. Oh. But no, in, instead they've stuffed things up for us. But on that game, like you said, it's very hard to take positives out of, but mm. watching the highlights back, those tries were magnificent. Oh, my it just looked like some wonderful tries <laughs> on both sides. It was go- It was really good to watch, even though... It was a loss. Now, Ian is from Leeds. Ian from East Leeds. Obviously, he is our resident Leeds 
supporter, and he got in touch, pointing us to one of the tries set up by Sam Cassiano. <laughs> this was, was amazing. If you have not seen it, you have to look for it, ladies and gentlemen. What happened was Leeds were on the attack, and they dropped the ball about five metres from the attacking line. Sam Cassiano picks up the ball, you know, runs out of clear. it. He's in the clear. Throws an immaculate <laughs> oh, cutout pass straight onto the chest of a Leeds player who scores, you know, under the post. That, that pass was, it was at least a 15, 20 metre pass, I thought. It like, was at least beautiful. I'm playing it back in my head. It looked like it was a beautiful spiral, wonderfully oh. targeted. And then, the, the yeah, the Leeds player just swoops right in. Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. It was, and that's, that's, remember, that is pillar number one of Progressive Rugby League. Chuck it around, Chuck entertainer. Around. So thank you, Sam. And that was Cassiano. definitely an entertaining game. Well, at least an entertaining highlights package. And look, Leeds, they might have turned a corner because during the week they did a bit of a player swapsy and they, they swapped Louis for Tui or Tui for Louis. So they've now gotten rid of Tui Lola here and they've now got Robert Louis from Salford. So Robert, Robert Louis, Louis. the ex-Tiger? The ex-Tiger. Oh. So that is quite a big improvement to their wow, roster. So your, your superstar, Tui Lola here, has been dropped by Leeds. That's right, they've done the swapsies. I can only imagine that there wasn't just a straight swap. It involved plenty of cashola because Robert Louis has been doing very good things for Salford over the last few years. Can we sort of change tack? Okay. What happened to Tui Lola here? Because uh, coming up as a warrior, coming up as a as a like when he first broke into the Warriors team, mm. he was supposed to be amazing. He was just like, how good's this guy going to be? Look, he's all right. Like, uh, he's all right. I don't want to give him a hard time. Oh, he's man. he's all right, but he's just maybe the talent scouts were just wrong, maybe. and maybe he's just always been all right. And that's Look, and that's you know and that's fine. And I'm sure he's a lovely fellow. Oh, well, that's the main thing. He, he he is a wonderful person. What else happened? So uh, London Broncos. Oh, again, it's not not much going on for us in the Super League. Coming up against Carl. Castleford. Mm-hmm. Now, Castleford, I'm not going to use the word heavyweights, but they're you know they're one of the teams that are up there, so it was always going to be a tough ask. 42-10 loss away from home, and look, they're they've slipped now back to the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. So, uh, but look, there are four teams there on 14 points at yeah. the bottom of the ladder, so it's but quite incredible. Leeds, Huddersfield, uh, Hull KR, along with London. Yeah. So, bottom. but London are officially last. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So, look, it's, it's it's definitely not over. And we'll be there in a couple of weeks uh, cheering them on, trying to get them home. Yeah, we'll get them home. On the ladder, we said London right on the bottom. Um, locked in a last-place tussle with those other teams. Negative zero. Catalan, mm-hmm. geez, the wacky season is really getting to them because they've slipped. They're now in sixth position, mm. which is not really where we want them to be. Officially, well, actually, they're negative zero because they're caught in a three-way battle with Castleford and Wigan mm. for fifth place as well. But still, they were fly- a couple of weeks ago, they were flying. We were like, here yeah. we go, dragons. That's right. Hit the top and then... Bit of a hangover post-Barcelona, it seems. Yeah, yeah. so um, the wheels are definitely falling off that, unfortunately. But we'll move on to the championship. Toulouse, Jono's Toulouse, mm-hmm. 36 defeated Barrow, 6. Yes, Did you catch this right. one from the toilet? Well, I mean, it's good to get them back on the winner's circle because they'd lost a couple in a row and there were a number of teams breathing down their neck. And while on Toulouse, let us say that the Toulouse people have been very generous and it looks like we're going to get some nice content when we go to Toulouse, we're going to meet people from the club. We're going to talk to various people. So I just want to say thank you to the good people of Toulouse Olympique. We hope that everything works out. And we look forward to meeting you. And ladies and gentlemen, bringing back some lovely and varied content from the, uh, the lovely people at Toulouse. Potentially not on Instagram. Potentially not on Instagram. <laughs> if Big Al can't work out his damn password. 
I really don't know what it is. It's probably something like Tigers 1908 or something. Or uh, yeah, probably. Tigers Owl. Think, of, think hard. <laughs> Tigers Owl. All right, so where were we? So Toulouse 36 defeated Barra 6 and Toronto 40 over Batley 10. Mm. So again, not much you can say about another big Toronto win. Yeah, look, when, when Toulouse and Toronto, they're one of the Habs in the championship, when they're mm. playing the Hab Knots, you expect a, a good 30-point victory and that's what happened. They both yeah. won by 30 points. Yeah. In interesting news on Toronto, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about the broken scoreboard at Lamport Stadium. Mm. Well, this week, apparently, the scoreboard has been fixed. So this, oh. is, this is very important. Jefferson got out the hammer and... <laughs> I think, or maybe Gordo, <laughs> what was his name? We, we often say winning is secondary. Mm. But knowing the score does help when you're new to rugby or, league. All the time. All the time. Because, you know, <laughs> you know I've, I've watched rugby league with a broken scoreboard before and sometimes you're hey, like... We've all sat on the hill at Leichhardt Oval. <laughs> that's right. And looking at the scoreboard going, 20H... Says G. Is that, <laughs> that's uh, so. When you're new to a sport, you're like, I'm not sure how this scoring system works. There's letters in there sometimes. I'm not sure what's going on. So it really is helpful when you've got an actual scoreboard that works, so they can see. Oh, it's 24 to six, not 20 H to G. <laughs> well, good. So good thing, work. Things are happening at Lamport. Let's just hope it doesn't rain. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, so we'll look at the ladder. We've got Toronto in first place, 36 points plus mm. 12, doing good things. Toulouse, second place, 26 points plus two. As the Broncos are sort of locked in a four-way battle for last place, Toulouse are sitting in a three-way battle for second place. Mm -hmm. They're tied with Lee and York, and they also recorded wins this weekend. So there's no letting up. There's no letting up for the top five. Look, just back on the Super League, there was a top-of-the-table clash between St. Helens and Warrington in Warrington. And look, it was a top-class encounter. I caught a bit of this. Uh, St. Helens coming home the stronger and coming out with a biggie. So now, still, this far into the season, the only teams to beat St. Helens are the Sweet Babies. So St. Helens, they'll be begging <laughs> that they don't see those Sweet Babies get the top five come the end of the year because they are the only teams to have beaten St. Helens this year. What else you got for what else us? You got? All right, so let's go outside of the UK. And I've got some great news. Okay. Rugby League has been officially recognised as a sport by the government in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Fantastic. So... The sport, Rugby League, was established uh, there in 2015, and they've had domestic comps since 2017, so it's still very, very young. Mm -hmm. But we've spoken before about how important it is for the sport to be recognised by the government, just secure funding and all that sort of stuff. So this is just another great story in the expansion Mm. of Rugby League globally, which we are both very much pro. Mm. So nice work there. Now, Jono. Yes. You have the travel bug. I do. Do you fancy a trip to Bali in November? No. Oh, well, it's a shame because the Indonesian Rugby League Knights oh, will be playing. Okay. Can I change my answer? <laughs> so that's kicking off on the 2nd of November. It is open to any club. Is that right? So, or any club or team. So you never know. You might see Peru playing the Congo. Oh, right. With the Latin heat. Yeah. Fantastic. So we, we can only hope. And look, elsewhere in the French Championship final at Albi. Now, this is very exciting because it was a replay of the French Cup game earlier in the year between St. Estef Catalan versus Carcassonne. Now, this was an amazing game. We had Carcassonne up 22-4 at halftime, but they ended up coming out losers because St. Estef Catalan, they won 32-24, coming back in scorching heat. The temperature over in France has been in the 40s, the high 30s and 40s. A bit of a heat wave? Yeah, a bit of a heat wave. That's unfortunate because I'm a huge Carcassonne fan. Yeah, that's right. As am I. (laughs) A fantastic comeback, and like you say, we're Carcassonne fans, and I would have liked to have seen them get up because St. Estef Catalan, they're the barometer of the standard 
of Elite One. They are the reserve team for Catalan, and if they're the best, then the standard for Elite One is below Super League reserve grade standard. So I would have liked to have seen another team be a bit better than Catalan reserves because yep. you'd like, yep. in theory, for the French Rugby League first grade Elite One competition to be thriving. Yes. And I, I would think that saint of Catalan, they're the barometer because they're yep. Super League reserve grade team. So ideally, they're about mid-table. Not that I don't love saint of Catalan. I love them. They're a famous club and they've got a great tradition and I'm a big fan. But you'd love to see other teams going strongly because it's a sign that the French Elite One is of a high quality. Well, look, Carcassonne had it all over him they for did. half a game. So it was, it's one all. Yes. It was a draw. Look, once again, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of St. Estef Catalan. <laughs> they continue to fly the flag well for French Rugby League. So you can't complain too much. But yeah. a wonderful final and a great comeback. Fantastic news. Look, in the Women's Super League, our York City Knights were back in action after a few weeks. We haven't spoken about them for a while. No. And it's good to see them back in the field. They played one of the big guns, St. Helens. And we know that they've struggled this year. They had a, a good loss, you could say. They lost 60-6. to six, And many losses this year they haven't actually scored. So it's great to see they got on the board against a top-class St. Helens team. So good on your York City Knights. Keep plugging away. I reckon you'll get the W sooner or We're later. We're here for you. Anything else from you? That's all. Fantastic. Another wonderful French-Canadian slash rugby league update. Progressive Rugby League. As I mentioned earlier, I had a chat this week with Laurent Garnier, former French Rugby League player, used to play in Elite One, and former coach of Carcassonne, as we were talking about just oh, then. Did I, did I mention I'm a huge Carcassonne <laughs> fan? That's right. <laughs> and now he's in the uh, Melbourne Storm coaching system. Anyway, we spoke a bit about French Rugby League, about what he's doing in Brisbane and things like that. So let's have a listen to what he's got to say. Let's do it. Laurent, are you real? Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me pinch myself. Oi! Yes, I'm real. I'm real. Yes. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Laurent. Real pleasure. Laurent, you're originally from the south of France, is that right, Perpignan? Now, did you grow up with rugby league or did you come to it later? I come in later. I'm 16 years, 16 years old. I was actually playing rugby union. Right. Brought and and rise uh, with the height of rugby league. Really? So all my coaches, the rugby league players and rugby league fans are wankers and wankers. Now I always question myself. I say, well, what's, what's, what's happening here? You yeah. know, what, what's, what is going on? Because I'm from Perpignan, where mm. the eight of rugby union and rugby league actually start, you know? Yeah. If you, if you read the book of Mike Rylance, the Forbidden Game, that's everything yes. starts in Perpignan between, mm. the, you know, the rugby league and, and rugby union eight. So, uh, Yes, my switch coach when I was 16 because my best friend at the time, I was in school with him, was a rugby uh, rugby league player at the Tres Catalans. And um, can you take us through your your playing career? And you ended up uh, coaching in France. You coached Carcassonne and you you were in the Catalan system as well. Uh, can you take us through that? So long story short, I was playing after so I switched. I played for the Tres Catalans. Yeah. I ended up to finish to, to play for the first grade of the Tres Catalans. For for me, that was a big big honor, you know, because. Mm. I always uh, see the, the Tres Catalan jersey uh, as a big thing for me. So I remember my first game, I was like so emotional, and you know, mm. you know what I mean? And um, in 2005, I was um, in the coaching staff for the uh, French student team mm-hmm. who played the World Cup in, in Brisbane. And 
uh, so I came here. I was a trainer for the um, for this team. We played the World Cup in Brisbane, mm-hmm. and and I met a beautiful brunette. Right. And uh, and I came back in 2006, and now we have three kids, and we live in Brisbane. <laughs> so fantastic. Uh, and I've been involved straight away from 2007 when I arrived in the country with the Winner Manly Seagulls mm-hmm. and with the academy. And now I am with the East Tigers with the girls, with the women uh, squad. And, and I absolutely love it. Oh, fantastic. And now, what's it like living in a rugby league city like Brisbane? What's that transition been like between Perpignan and Brisbane? Is it similar, different? You know, I play most of my career in the 90s, so mm. to be a rugby league player and a rugby league fan in the 90s in France was very, very difficult because we don't, we didn't have um, the rugby league on air on the newspaper, so that was very hard. So every time we had a tape, that was a video tape at the time yeah. from Australia, you know. So I grew up with watching when I could grab a, a tape from Australia with somebody come from, you know, from Australia in holiday and, and came and with the, the the green machine, you know, the, the camera mm. radars and. And the Palmen Tigers. Mm. So that was very hard. So when I arrived here in, two, in 2007, all the games on air on, the, on, on Fox or Channel 9, <laughs> I, I am in heaven. I am in heaven <laughs> since 2007. I'm, I'm living the dream. Oh. I'm, I'm actually living the dream here. Fantastic. Now, how would you describe the health of rugby league in France? Do, do you think it's getting healthier or is it getting weaker as we go along? And, and how does it compare to when you were growing up? Let's be honest. That's they are, they are actually struggling because mm. what's happened with with the rise of the Catalan Dragons is is what's happened in in 1988 here with the the Broncos when they came alive. Yeah. The BRL, you know, went down a, 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 an inch, which which is which is normal. You know what mm. I mean? That's, yeah. So so all the talents now are playing for for the Catalans. So so the elite one, the first division, the first yeah. grade division in France is. Is a bit is a bit weakest, you know. So yeah. um, every time we are doing a progress with the federation and and the, the rugby league movement is is actually doing a progress. You always have somebody from rugby union, even if that's not a, a board member, but a fan who is actually slowing down the process of this progress. You know, so that's mm. very hard to fight against rugby union since since we since rugby league is born in in nineteen. 34 in France. Mm, that's right. And, and you're right, reading The Forbidden Game by Mike Rylance and now The, the Struggle and the Daring, uh, you do get the sense of how rugby league in France and the people in rugby league in France have had to fight all the way and they still are fighting. And, and they are still fighting. They are mm. still fighting. The Catalan Dragons, I, I know very well the chairman of, of the Catalan Dragons and mm. his main staff was to fight against USAP. USAP who was playing in top 14, they, they play in top 14, they, they are, they are now going to play in, in second division again uh, mm-hmm. next year. And that was the, that was the deal for him. He wants, he wants to fight against the USAP team, the top 14 team, you know what I yeah. mean? You know, <laughs> league and union in, in Perpignan and in France in general, are, are, that's not like here where you, you actually, you get along. You don't like each other, but you get along. But in France, that's that's a real hate, you know. And really? I've got plenty of little stories where yeah, every day, every day, hate between the two courts in France. Wow, that's really interesting. Now, you do a bit of work on BN Sports in France. Now, what's the media landscape like for rugby league in France? Is there much rugby league on TV? I know they do some. They show some NRL, some Super League. Do they show any French rugby league? What's it like? <laughs> 
So the elite one, the, the French rugby league, is shown on uh, Occitanie TV, mm -hmm. you know, which is the area where most of the clubs are, Occitanie in the south of France. Mm -hmm. But that's on the net. And wow. if you want to see NRL, State of Origin, and Super League, that's on Bain Sports. And the two uh, commentators who are well known now because they are doing that for more than 20 years, that's Rodolphe Pires mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, and, and Louis Bonnery. Mm. And Louis was actually my coach when I was playing for the student uh, French team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Rodolphe is, a, is a absolutely is a, is a fanatic to, of rugby league in France. You know, he fights. Yeah. He's, he's one of the guys who actually really fight for this game. To be uh, to be recognised in, in France. Fantastic. Well, I'll let you go now, lot on, because I know you have to uh, watch your your team, Melbourne Storm. You're you're now working as a uh, an academy coach for the Melbourne Storm in Brisbane now, aren't you? Yes, and and we try to poach some French young talent. That's, yes, that's the deal. You know, that's why <laughs> I'm in the system because we we try to get some because we got very good French young talent players but after they don't have the, the, the good pathway to become a real professional player and very good players mm -hmm. so the storm the Melbourne storm actually was they, they were good enough to actually uh, recognize that so wow. yeah we, we try and let's catch up next week and talk about that in, in France because I will be in France in Perpignan next week too and doing a bit of work for, for the storm too to actually try to uh, to uh, identify some, some young French talent that sounds fantastic well that's very exciting yes we should catch up when we get to Perpignan in a couple of weeks now lot on before we go like you say we are going to be there we're going to actually watch a Toulouse Olympique game when we get there yeah. are there any things that the French rugby league supporters yell out during the game that we can practice so we sound like we fit in in Toulouse oh yes so the one you need is Orjeu 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 what's that offside Offside. Thank you. And Thank the, you. The other one I never understood, but that was from that's every everywhere you will listen that in the crowd. Yeah. That's ojamba. 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 What does that mean? Grab the legs. Grab the legs. Oh, grab the legs. <laughs> Fantastic. And I, I promise to you, you will hear that in the in the stadium in in Blagnac for the yeah. Toulouse Olympic game. Ojamba and orjeu. Okay. Grab the legs and offside. <laughs> oh, thanks. In our DNA. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Lord. I really appreciate it. We'll see you in Perpignan and good luck with the rest of the season with the coaching. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Lord. Progressive Rugby League. And there was, there was the interview with Lord. What did you think? Uh, I loved it. I, I love the romance mm. of a. First of all, I think the idea of a French rugby league player is romantic anyway. But, you know, he went to Australia and fell in love with a wonderful lady and now suddenly has three kids and lives in Brisbane. I think the whole story. And he still has passion for the game That's and right. stays in contact with it. He actually told me off air that one way when he came to Australia that he learnt English was by reading the autobiographies of Jack Gibson and Wayne Bennett. There you go. <laughs> what a guy. What a great story. On. So looking forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks in Perpignan. Now, it's time for our prog moms. Now, last week, ladies and gentlemen, Big Al and I, we, well, we had a bit of a tiff. And let's face facts, he has come up short a couple of times in a row now without prog moms. And he owed us, not just me, but us, the progressive rugby league community, four prog moms. Was it four? Yeah, four. Well, I thought it was just one. No, four. Four. But, yeah. I mean, you are... 
you are one who flouts rules, and that's cool. That's yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm, the... I'm a rule breaker, not a not a rule follower. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So what have you got for us? Uh, all right. So in we're talking state of origin, state of origin season. Yes. So this weekend we have got the New South Wales versus Queensland state of origin wheelchair rugby league clash. Yes. Happening on Saturday the sixth of July at Sydney Olympic Park. I think kicks off at about three p.m. Mm-hmm. So great stuff. Bit more of that. No, no broadcast deal, unfortunately. Yeah. But still, I would encourage anyone and everyone to go have a look. Okay, one down, three to go. What else we got? How good <laughs> is rugby league? <laughs> it's just the best. It's just the best. Look, my prog mom. I'm not even sure if you'd call this a prog mom because I, to be honest, I totally forgot to do a prog mom as well. But here's something. During the week, there was a fantastic game between Hull KR and Hull FC, and one of the players, I'm pretty sure his name is Joe Westerman, but I might be wrong there. Mm-hmm. He dislocated his knee in play. And then, you know, he proceeded to just bang it back into place and then get back up and continue on. And I thought to myself, that's pretty funny. And I think one of our pillars is rugby league's a funny game. No one can see this, but I'm shaking my head right now. That does not qualify. Doesn't it? And I'm going to let you, I want want you to know something. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the international update. Yeah. That could easily go into as a prog mod. (laughs) But I choose to keep it in international. Right. So okay. I could have pilfered all those all the tidbits that have been scattered across the international update. Okay. And, and plugged them as prog moms, but I didn't. Okay. So, What's your point? I don't know, but I feel like I do. I have pseudo prog moms. Okay. And I've kind of let the team down because I forgot to look for prog moms this week. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I've just been so preoccupied with you know reflections. <laughs> And into interviews, interviews with, and... with Laurence and all sorts of things. So my apologies. When we get back, I promise to get two. Two, and I'm still I still owe three. So, still... so I've still got to do four for the next episode. Yes, that's right. And I'm I'm net negative two. You're net negative four. Mm, okay. So all right. Have, I'm sure we'll find plenty on our travels. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. And let me say, this is the last time you'll hear from us for about oh um, five or six weeks. So I'd is like it going to be that long? Uh, maybe. Mm. Well, I'm away for about a month and then I'll get mm, back okay. and I'll be jet lagged and I'll be like, you know, I have to eat something <laughs> and I have to see my parents, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yes, you know, stay patient. We're going to bring back some interesting content. We're going to be visiting Toulouse Olympique. We're going to be watching a game there. We're going to watch the London Broncos play as well. We're also going to be catching up with Mike Rylance. We're going to be doing a special book club edition live. Well, not live. We're going to record it. Oh, we could, we could Instagram live it. Oh, no, wait. I can't get into that account. <laughs> we're going to do that live, record it live with Mike Rylance. So we're really looking forward to that. So we will come back with a bag full of content that we'll put out at some point in the future. And let me tell you, we'll be back as soon as we can with a weekly show. And we'll bring it home for the rest of the year with intense rugby league enthusiasm as we always try to do yes okay so let's call it and let me say rugby league hold me and see ya (laughs) see you folks in rugby league we trust Woo.